Broken, a family's journey of love, faith, and survival. I don't know what happens next, but I'm not scared. For the director of music, a psalm of David. May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. May he remember all your sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings. May he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. May we shout for joy over your victory and lift up our banners in the name of our God. May the Lord grant all your requests. Now this I know. The Lord gives victory to his anointed. He answers him from his heavenly sanctuary with the victorious power of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. This is Unbroken, a journey of love, faith, and survival. In conjunction and collaboration of Unity Access and the AT Hot Corner. My name is Mike Mote. I'm joined by Israel Cazardas our co-host on the AT Hot Corner podcast that you hear throughout the course of the year. Tonight, though, we're going to be telling a story of faith, survival, love, and miracles, folks. We all believe in miracles. We all hope for miracles in situations. Well, folks, we're going to talk about one that's actually happened and continues to unfold, and that is the story of Israel's wife, Leah. And uh, Israel, I couldn't be more thrilled to be able to tell this story because as we're recording this, we're about to celebrate or recognize the one-year anniversary of when this whole uh, journey started. And uh, like I say, glad that you have uh, allowed me to help tell this story for you. This is going to be fun. Yeah, Mike, thank you so much for the opportunity. And I am filled with anticipation with uh nervousness uh there is some fear in here some anxiety some just going back and remembering everything that uh occurred to us and 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 we're, we're going to take you guys on that journey with us it uh it's it's a miracle that we're here it's a miracle that we're able to talk about this just 365 days later and uh, I'm so glad to do it with you, my friend. And this will have several episodes. And the first episode is entitled The Rupture, which is what you're listening to now. And there will be others that we will drop as we go along the timeline of how these events unfolded just one year ago. And so that's where we'll start, Israel. And, and let's get right to it. January 5th of 2022, or 2023, I should say, was a big Big day for you. A lot of things happening, a lot of positive things happening on this day. One, you were finishing up with our friends at Beyond Vision. It was your last day at work there. And you and uh, your family, uh, Leah, and of course your beautiful daughter, uh, Chloe Ann, whom we have heard from uh, throughout the course of our podcasts, who likes to uh, in, incorporate her opinions on certain things. Of course, she's just now celebrated her second birthday. But you and the family were about to move and have uh, and embark on a new journey and a new chapter in your work career at uh, APH in Louisville. 
And all of this was about to take shape and y'all were about to move and everything was exciting. And that's where this story begins. Yeah, Mike. Well, as you very accurately mentioned, uh, that time of year and that particular beginning of the year was a very transitional time for us. Uh, I want to take the audience back with me to December uh, before I get into January 5th. I want to take them back to December where on December 19th, I received an offer from the American Printing House for the Blind, an offer I couldn't resist. And it was an amazing opportunity that was going to have to happen very quickly. I remember I was on the bus on my way to work. Uh, I was going to travel to Michigan. No, not Michigan. Excuse me. I, I, I always keep saying Michigan, and it wasn't Michigan. It was South Illinois, where I was going to go visit Scott Air Force Base to help train a new member of our Beyond Vision staff. And I was on the bus on my way to work when I get this offer from APH. I The first thing I do, I read it. I call my wife and I email it to her. And she calls me back and says, so I guess we need boxes, right? And I'm like, yes, but it really does bring me back to just how supportive my wife was and enthusiast, enthusiastic, excuse me, about starting over and starting a new career and, and, and an opportunity to explore. Um, we've always liked to explore different cities and explore our environment and get out and about with our daughter. And so the plan was, yeah, we were going to move to Louisville. Uh, we, that very day, I decided that I was going to accept the offer from um, APH. And I decided that we were going to transition and move. And as you mentioned, we had just celebrated my daughter's first birthday. My beautiful baby girl, Chloe Ann, was born on December 15th, 2021. And I'm going to warn you guys now, there might be some times where I will stop because I will get a little emotional as I talk about these things. Um, so we had just celebrated my daughter's first birthday. We were just offered an amazing opportunity to, to work with an amazing world-renowned company like the American Printing House for the Blind. So our life was looking up. Everything that we could have wanted was happening we were planning on purchasing a home. We were planning on coming down to Louisville fairly quickly and, and, and starting with our lives and our new career. My wife has always loved to get out and about and, and participate in the community. She was looking forward to possibly even mentor students at the Kentucky School for the Blind since APH is basically right across the street from uh, the Kentucky School for the Blind. And we have a visually impaired daughter. My daughter was born with bilateral uh, bilateral cataracts. And she had pupil surgery when she was a baby. So we knew that she was going to be low vision. We just don't know how low vision she is until she's able to tell us. So I was excited about joining APH because obviously my career in helping our, or our organization was ultimately going to come back to my house basically twice. Not only with the money I make, but with the products that we produce, the educational aids, the books, the Braille, 
that will impact my daughter's life. Uh, not to go too deep into the change, but it was going to help you financially as well. It was going to get you set up so that you were going to be able to take care of not only your needs as family, but hers as well. That was a big part of this. And that was part of the reason why you were making this change. It was a huge part of it. I had enjoyed my career at Beyond Vision. I had enjoyed a lot of success over the last few years. We launched uh, fairly successful programs uh, at Beyond Vision that I won't go into too many details because I don't know if I can talk about it. But we had a very good run and I made friends. I had a community. I had everything that you could want in Milwaukee. And it was time to start over. Uh, again, as you as you accurately mentioned, it was just a good opportunity. Just a good opportunity that I couldn't pass up uh, to provide for my family. And ultimately, what I want as a husband, as a father, is to be able to say to to be able to say to myself, this is what I do for a living, and this is what helps my family move forward and, and, and be comfortable and have what they need. And of course, we all want that in our lives, and you were getting that opportunity. And may I point out, uh, you and I met because of one of the successful programs that Beyond Vision helped launch several years ago. So that's part of this deal, too. So a lot was changing for you. Um, and they graciously you know, agreed to support you. They certainly miss you, and I'm sure they miss you to this day. But they were supportive of you and wanted to give you a, a send-off as you and your family started to make this transition. And that send-off happened on January 5th. That was your last day of Beyond Vision, which is kind of where we uh, moved to in this discussion because that's when things took a turn and your path changed uh, and you began a journey that really had a lot of twists and turns that we're going to cover in the course of these podcasts. And the very first one is January the 5th and the significance of this day. Tell me how the day started, Israel. What was this day like for you um, leading into uh, the, the situation that unfolded? I'm going to start by apologizing to the audience because, again, I will take my time with this. I tend to get a little emotional every time I talk about it um, because it's it's just an impact that it's hard to, to describe. Um, it's hard to describe in so many words. Uh, sometimes the words just are very difficult to come by. But that day began like any other day. I was thrilled and excited. And as you mentioned, Beyond Vision supported my decision to relocate and move on. And they were going to organize a goodbye party for me. And everybody knows I like beer. So there was going to be some beer and some getting together with some friends and uh, now former colleagues. And that day began with that excitement and anticipation. I woke up. I got ready for work. I was eating something in the kitchen when I hear Leah get up and she comes over. At this point, she had just received her second guide dog, Yacht. She was she walked past Yacht. He put his nose on her. She pet him. She walked to the kitchen where I'm at. And I'm like, hey, good morning. And she's like, good morning. And she sounded normal. Everything was fine. And uh, I said, how are you feeling? Did you sleep okay? And she said, yeah. Slept great. No problem. She is like, 
I feel a little tired though, so I'm going to go back to sleep. Do you need anything? And I'm like, no, I've, I've already got my coffee. I've already got breakfast going. I'm, I'm about to leave. This is about 4.30 in the morning, folks. Uh, I would catch my first bus to, to, to work at about 4.50, 4.55 from downtown Milwaukee. And so my wife came up to me and gave her a hug, kissed her on the forehead, and said, I'll see you later at the party, honey. Okay, go back to bed. Baby's still sleeping. Take advantage of it. She went back to bed. Sure. And uh, we all know that it's, uh, it's pretty tough when <laughs> you have children and, and, and they're sleeping. You better, you better take advantage of the opportunity <laughs> that you have. You either take advantage of it or get a lot of work done around the house. One of the two. Exactly. <laughs> you do one or the other. So, so you're having a normal it. day at work. You're having a normal day at work, right? I mean, and that's just kind of how you left it and you go on to work and everything is, you know, like it, you're having a, you know, a good last day at work. Uh, when did you, was, was there any indication that what was going to happen later on that day? Was there any indication that anything was wrong throughout the course of the day when you checked in? None. I last heard from my wife at about 1130. Got a text message from her saying, hey, I'm going to put Chloe Ann down for a nap so that she's not grumpy while we're at your party. And I'm like, OK, we'll see you there. I'm excited. Me too. Love you. OK. And wow. you remember that conversation that vividly that's, to that's the word, my friend, to the word. Oh, I um, go on. I'm, I'm having a lunch meeting with a couple of friends, a, a couple of colleagues and again, everybody's saying their goodbyes and we're all uh, trying to be productive. Also, it wasn't just a fun day either. We were all also trying to be productive and make sure that I was leaving everything set up for the next person. And so we were in the middle of a meeting when I get a missed call from my wife at 1236 p.m. This missed call is a little difficult for me to talk about, but upon review later way later it, it was the call where my wife was having a seizure following the rupture i heard her on my voicemail she was uh convulsing i could clearly hear it um i could hear her trying to say something but basically, it was just a, con a, a, a convulsion sound. She sounded like she was choking or couldn't breathe. There was about three minutes and 30 seconds of that before the voicemail cut off. Because she was unable to hang up her phone. I did not know that because I didn't review her message. I didn't have time and I didn't review her message. So I go on about my day. We go to a bar. We have a drink or two. I'm texting Leah. I'm like, hey, where are you? I called her a couple of times. And I figured that she was just probably having a tough time with Chloe Ann. Because sometimes babies can be temperamental. Our child mm -hmm. had just turned one. Yeah. And uh, not all the teeth had come in yet. So there was still a little bit of that going on where she could be very temperamental. 
And I figured, well, Leah said she was tired early in the morning. Maybe she changed her mind and, you know, doesn't want to come. So I proceeded to have a dinner and a drink with our colleagues, our former colleagues. And at the end of the night, when we're getting ready to leave, I tell a friend to drive me back to the office so that I can catch the bus from there. And she says, no, I'll take you home. It's on the way. It's fine. I'll take you home. And I'm like, okay. So I took a ride from her and I get to my apartment. I go upstairs at this point. I am worried obviously because Leah doesn't ever sleep this long. Um, I'm like, she's either asleep or mad at me, honestly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. She's yeah, mad it's, at no, but it's, but it's never, it never crosses your mind that no, something never crosses is, my is mind horribly wrong. Is terribly wrong. No, I, um, mm. go up on the elevator and, and come out. And when I come out, I hear my daughter. What time is crying. it, by the way? What time is it, by the way? About Do you know? Yeah. About can yes. you guess an is, estimate of what time it is? It is 6.45 p.m. Okay. So not, my wife not called terribly me late. Six, but... My wife called me at 12.36 p.m. It is now 6.45 okay. by the time I make it home. Okay. I get out of the elevator, and I hear my daughter just crying. And I'm like, oh, my Lord. This is a bad day. Like, she is having a bad day. And I go and I open the door. And and I hear a noise that's out of place. Wrong. Some call it the death rattle. It sounds like a snore, but it's not a snore. It's when your lungs are starting to fill up with fluid is what they explained to me medically. Wow. Basically, what I came into, Mike, was my wife beginning to suffocate, to drown. And that's the noise that I heard. She so had the rupture have- and I came home almost seven hours later. And found her that way. So this is about approximately 15 to 7. You come into the room. The baby's crying. And you walk in and you hear the baby obviously distraught because she doesn't know what's going on at this point. Just barely one. And you hear that sound. So obviously you know that something is really, as you said, out of place and horribly wrong so what do you immediately do my uh dog floyd has always been very attached to leah Mm -hmm. and when i saw my dog basically drop down next to her i let go of his harness i i rushed in i turned off the speakers because he had been listening to country music and there was country music playing. No, I don't remember the song. At this point, I'm not paying attention to anything but Leah. And uh, I try to wake her. She's not waking. I realized that she had already, she had vomited. And I'm sorry to, to be graphic to the audience. 
and she was beginning to drown. She was drowning. I immediately called emergency services. They came in about two minutes, the fastest response. But those two minutes, I can tell you, my friend, those two minutes seemed an eternity for me. Yeah, I could imagine that time just sort of stood still at this moment because all of a sudden you walk into a situation where it is, you know, you're in desperate need and you're just trying to think through what you need to do and also do things very rapidly. That's that's a lot. That's a lot to even think about. Coming in, calling emergency services, picking up my daughter, my daughter's diapers had soaked through with urine from how long she had been in her playpen. And to my wife's credit, a mother, a mother, man, a mother's love is just knows no bound. She knew my wife right at the end. She knew that something was terribly wrong. She made sure. She made sure that her baby was safe. She put her down on the playpen where she wouldn't get hurt. A lot of things could have happened. She could have fallen on her. The baby could have hit her head on a wall. I mean, so many more devastating things than the situation I was already facing could have happened. But she knew and she her instinct was to protect her baby. So so did you have anybody living near your apartment? Was, was there any neighbors close yeah. by like anybody there? Yes, and again, to me, it it raises so many questions of, you know, what we've become as a society when you can hear a child cry for hours and hours at a time and nobody comes over to check. Um, It's it's uh, it it just raises a lot of topic for conversation there that I don't really want to get into right now. But yeah, honestly, I'm just I was just curious because I'm thinking, you know, (laughs) there's probably in that in in an apartment setup, you've got a lot of. Yeah, you're you're pretty close to people, yet no one bothered to. Yeah, yeah, or felt the need to to check in. So Mm -hmm. anyway, so we move forward and you're on the phone with emergency services as you said, they responded very, very fast. Yeah. Um, Did you call anyone else? Yeah, I called my friend who had just dropped me off. And she jokingly was like, because in the car we were talking and she was like, you're going to be in trouble. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. And so I call her back and she's like, did they kick you out? And I couldn't even speak. And I'm just like, I need your help now. It's an emergency. I told her what happened. I told her the situation that I came into. And she's like, oh, my God. And she immediately turned her car around and came back. And Leo was gone by the time my friend made it back. That's how quickly uh, emergency services responded. Not only were they there in record time, but she was gone. They took her in record time. That kind of gives you an idea how desperate the situation was at this point. Oh my gosh! They don't. They don't just do that. They no. A lot of times, and and they probably. Uh, said to you that this is you know serious and and we need yes. to go ahead and yes. and, I, and I mentioned the person that, that your driver coming back because this is a recurring theme throughout the course of this story 
about how people responded. Yes. I, I, I am, as I think about this from where I was sitting and of course we're dear friends and, um, certainly have enjoyed a lot of the laughs that we've had enjoyed, but I will never forget the, the first I heard of this and I'll share that in a moment, but so many people helped, uh, you in the days and the hours, uh, after you learned that your that your wife is in you know very dangerous situation here, the, a lot of folks mobilized to help you in your time of need. I will tell you this: it's not easy to hear the paramedics come in and tell you she is dying. We need to go. Wow. When I heard those That's- words, it just your whole world just everything you think about is gone. When I heard the paramedic say she is dying, we have to go. I called my friend. You can't just go to the hospital. You can't just go straight to the hospital because because I have have to take care of baby. Exactly. Yeah. You have a little girl that is obviously very despondent because uh, of all of that she's been through. I had to change her. I, I had to bathe her, change her, get her into new clothes. And wow. I had all that done by the time my friend came back. I'm telling you, I've never worked as efficiently as I did that day. I'll tell you that. So my friend came back and I started calling people. I called her sister first. And her sister wasn't available. So I called her wife. And I said, Casey, I need, I need Heather immediately. This is an emergency situation. I need her. She got her on the phone and I'm like, Heather, and I could barely speak at this point. I'm like, you need to get here. Leah, Leah's dying. And, um, Obviously, a call like that for a sibling is devastating. Devastating. She was immediately just overcome with emotion. What happened? She couldn't even speak. I'm like, I don't know. I came home and they're telling me that she's dying. So, at this point... As we said, time sort of stands still, but this is, you know, you're going from, you know, being out with, you know, celebrating your your career at Beyond Vision, and you walk into this, and in about 30 minutes, your life immediately changes, and you are in the middle of one of the toughest crises of any uh, crisis that anybody would face, a dad, a husband, in the middle of it and not to make light of this, but you're a blind man who needs to, you have to rely on transportation and help from other folks to get to from point A to point B. Yeah. At the same time, you're taking care of a one-year-old who doesn't understand what's going on with mommy. This is a, this is a very tough situation. So, uh, this is where we are and this is where, you're facing the real the reality that your daughter's going to lose a mom and you're going to lose a wife and 
relatively short order if some if a miracle doesn't take place. Yeah. I can remember I was working a basketball game that night and I kept getting phone calls from you. I got two or three calls and I couldn't I could not take them. And I didn't know what you wanted, but then I woke up the next morning and it was I usually get up really early for work because I work on Eastern time and uh so I was up at about five thirty and as I step out of the shower and I'm getting ready for work for the day and getting ready to get my day started, my phone rings and it's about six AM Friday morning and it's you. And I'm like and I pick up the phone and I'm, you know, aggravating you because that's what we do. And I'm like, Man, it's you you know, it's odd for you to be up this early. What is what you're actually gonna work early this morning, you know, and, and just having a little fun and then the voice that I hear on the other end immediately tells me that something is just not right. Um, so I understand that that sinking feeling in your gut because I've known you both. I've known Leah for longer than I've known you. Um, and I consider you both dear friends of mine. It it had to be a night from hell. <laughs> just 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 to be honest, you you were facing the devil and all of his angels that night, unfortunately. That is correct. I get to the hospital that night. Finally, after being able to be dad, as you mentioned, and take public transportation to the hospital, I took a lift. I wasn't wow. going to waste my time with the bus. Public transportation via lift to go be with his wife who may be dying. Yeah. I hope that sinks in to folks uh, who are listening to this who have your vision. Continue on, though. Go ahead. I get to the hospital. I go to the emergency department. They immediately rush me to the back. And the doctor just gets in front of me, in front of my face. They can be very intense. And he said, you need to talk to me. You need to tell me the truth. Was she doing any drugs? Is there anything that we need to worry about? And I'm like, no, sir. She never does drugs. She's never done drugs in her life. I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, your wife is dying. She is in very critical condition. We don't know what's going on at this point. We are trying to determine what's going on, but she is not going to make it tonight. And to sit there again, to sit there with a medical professional telling you cold, hard facts as they see them. I was rocked to my core, rocked completely, completely to my core. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what was happening. I pinched myself a couple of times. And again, not to make light of things, but I'm like, man, did I drink too much tonight? And I'm like, I hope this is a terrible, just terrible, horrible nightmare. But it wasn't. Were you, were you in a headspace? And let me just ask it this way. Were you in a headspace where you really thought it was that serious? Or were you just trying to figure out exactly what was going on? I mean, did you, were you scared at this point or were you just... How did how did you feel uh, hearing this? It, it it had to be hard to hear, but it also had to be really tough to process, knowing that just a matter of hours ago you were talking to a healthy wife in the kitchen. Yeah, I'll tell you this: it, it was in more ways than one. It was a very sobering experience. 
Um, those couple of drinks I had with my colleagues were no good. Uh, I mm. was completely feeling everything. The, the emotions were raw, but I couldn't shut down. Like I had to act. I had to mm-hmm. protect my daughter and I had to make sure that my wife got taken care of quickly. And it wasn't until about two o'clock in the morning when a neurologist comes to me and he lays out the cards and this is what happened. She had a ruptured brain aneurysm. It is the first time that I'm hearing the words ruptured brain aneurysm. At this point, I'm sitting there thinking, I don't even know what an aneurysm is. What are we talking about here? They explain it to me. It's, it's a, she had a, a weakened wall in her, in her veins where blood was able to basically rush into this area that they call a berry. And then the berry just pops. And then the blood quickly rushes into the space that's left between that area. And the chemicals in the blood irritate the brain, which is what causes the swelling. And I know this now. When I'm sitting there at 2.30 in the morning, dazed, not understanding what's happening. And the neurologist tells me the following. He says, if your wife survives tonight, she will never be the same. She will have multiple, multiple disabilities. At this point, we don't even know. If the aneurysm, if the ruin, if the wounds from the aneurysm have caused irreversible brain damage, she may not even survive tonight. The only reason we're going to bother with treatment and, and an intervention is because your wife is young. Normally, in cases where there are too elderly or too infirmed, There's nothing that can be done anyway, even if they wanted to. So that's the reality. I spent the entire night in the hospital. I go home at about three, four o'clock in the morning. And I'm just a zombie. Was anybody with you when you received this news? Nope. Nope. So you're handling this by yourself. uh, as, As her husband, as the dad... Uh, where is Chloe Ann? Chloe Ann is going? at home with my friend who came back. And she her. was gracious enough to stay with my daughter. She knew the gravity of the situation. She calls her husband and she's like, hey, this is going on. He needs me. I'm going to stay here as long as they need me. And he was gracious enough to let her, his wife help me. Folks, this gets better, but it's not good right now. And I want you all to understand we're 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 getting this news and we're going through this and there's certain parts of this story that I didn't even know. And I'm sitting here holding my own breath as we're doing this podcast. And I and I hope that it's real and it it, it feels just as real uh, to you as it does to us. This does get better, and what an amazing story we we will be telling in the future episodes. But this is a 
at this moment is a very dire situation that he is in uh, dealing with on the day of January 5th of 2023. That moves into January the 6th when I first get word of this. And I had the privilege of praying with you over this. And I must say that a lot of other people started doing the same thing. A lot of folks who knew that prayer worked and we began to intercede on your behalf and we began to trust that the Lord would intervene, that Jesus Christ himself would hear from us and not only help Leah, but help you all go through this, the family. Um, so you go home, you tell, uh, you know, you're kind of in a daze at this point because you've got to be exhausted physically and mentally after all of this. What happens then? My friend just sees the way I walk in and she wakes up and she looks at me and she's like, please tell me she made it. So what did you, how did you respond to that, to that inquiry? I just looked at her and I told her it's serious, but she's still alive and she's fighting. And that's where we will end this first podcast episode, The Rupture. This was one of the wildest days in your life, Israel. There's no other way to describe it. There are not words to describe this 24-hour period where you go from a perfectly good morning to a celebratory day to absolute terror and horror at what you find when you get home and now to a point where your wife is fighting for her life in a hospital with doctors who are trying to determine what happened. This story has many twists and turns. This is just the beginning. We will have more episodes. There's several to come, and we're going to tell this whole story because this is a story of faith, love, and a journey that you will just want to stay tuned to because it ultimately ends with survival. And folks, this is the work of the Almighty God, and we can't wait to tell you the rest of the story. So join us again. Israel, thank you for sharing this. Thank you for sharing this part of your family story with us. I hope it blesses many, many people. This has been Unbroken, a family's journey of love, faith, and survival. Episode 1, The Rupture. Produced by Unity Access Media in collaboration with AT Hot Corner Podcast. Visit us on the web at athotcorner.com. Directed by Israel Casares. Hosted by Mike Moat. Music used under license by Pond5.com. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to Ryan Harvey, webmaster. Also to Roger Allen, audio supervisor.